0: All right, welcome everyone to session number nine of Rasalila Panchadyaya, the five chapters of the Rasalila in the 10th canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam. We are gradually approaching the conclusion of our sessions, and the time goes slipping by. We're getting a little taste of, we're getting an overview of the Rasa Panchadhyaya, which is all that we can do, but uh, the I would say the aim is that we be inspired to always return to it and to appreciate it more. Um, If we could turn off microphones, there's some microphones on. Okay, we'll start. Oops, I just got turned off. Okay. So we'll start with Mangala Charana. O Magyana dasya, Ganan Jana Shalakaya, Chakshurun Milet Amyena, Tasmai Shigurave Nama. Shri Chaitanya Mano Vishtam, Stapitam Yenabhutale, Svayam Rupakadamahyam, Dadati Svapadantikam. Vandeham Shri Guru, Shri Yutta Patakamalam, Shri Gurun Vaishnavaṃscha, Rupam Sagrajatam, Sahagana Rauganatam Vitam, Tam Sajivam. Sadvaitam, Savadutam, Parijana Sahitam, Krishna Chaitanya Devam, Shri Radha, Krishna Padan, Sahagana Lalita, Shri Vishagan Vitangscha, Nama O Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale, Bhaktivedanta svamin itinamine namaste sadasvatadeve goravani pracharine ni vishesh shunyavadi paschatya desatarine vancha galpatrum yascha evacha patitanam pavanebhyo Vaishnavibyo Namo Namaha. He Krishna Karana Sindhu Dinabando Jagat Pate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namos Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe. Vrindavanesh Hari, Rishabhanu, Sute Devi, Pranamami Hari, Jai Shikisha Chaitanya, Prabhunitya Nityananda Shi Advaita Gadadhar, Shiva Sadi Gora Bhaktavinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaganarotam Deving Sarasutting Vyasam Tato Jayamabhirayet Nashta Prayeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat yuttama shlokke bhakti vavati naishthike. Śrīmat Bhagavatam Puranam amalam yat Vaishnavānaṁ priyam yasmin pāramahamsyam ekam amalam jñānaṁ Tatra bhakti sahitam naishkarmyama Abriskritam. Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam is the spotless Purāṇa. It is the most dear to the Vaishnavas because it describes the pure and supreme knowledge of the Paramahāṃsas. This Bhagavatam reveals the means for becoming free from all material work, Together with the processes of transcendental knowledge, renunciation, and devotion, anyone who seriously tries to understand Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, who properly hears and chants it with devotion, becomes completely liberated. Grantaraja srimad Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam ki jaya. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us to continue our explorations of 10th Canto, uh, the Rasa Panchanyaya, Rasa Lila Panchanyaya. We had only just begun uh, discussing some verses of chapter 31, the Gopi's Song of Separation. Gopi Gita, Um, and uh, so I want to revisit or continue to visit chapter 31 and uh, discuss one, two, three, I don't know, we'll see. Mainly I want to discuss uh, with you verse number nine. Uh, which is a famous verse, and which is one of your verses for remembering. For, yeah, we say memorizing, but um, I believe the Sanskrit expression for memorization is kantasta, to have something st- literally standing in the throat. <laughs> it's just there, it's ready to. Recite, but of course we want to go deeper than just the throat. We want to go to the heart. We want to go to the uh, center of our consciousness, center of our being. According to some researcher, uh, some neuro uh, neuroscientist or scientist, uh, there we have. Not one brain, but five brains. Um, There are three or four in the head, and one of the brains is in the heart. And they have a whole scientific explanation of that. This, uh, This brain in the heart begins to develop when we are about 15 years old. And unless we have good mentorship, someone to look up to um, at that critical age, uh, we can be in trouble because that's the time that that so-called brain is developing, which is, of course, uh, integral to the heart. Anyway... That was a footnote. <laughs> uh, we want We want the Bhagavatam to go not just to the throat, but to the heart. Uh, we were discussing yesterday a few things. Chapter thirty, of course, the Gopi's search for Krishna. Uh, we talked about imitation. Uh, we talked about their, the Gopis' identification with Krishna, tadatmika, <clears throat> and how this tadatmika can be taken in so many, so many nuanced, different ways of understanding. Um, the Gopis are trying to get some information. They're doing research. They're trying to de- determine where is Krishna because he's not visible to them. And so they take advice or they, they try to take advice. They try to get directions uh, from the flora and fauna of Vrindavan. Uh, without success, eventually they resort to questioning the earth and the earth uh, should know where is Krishna because he's walking on the earth. His lotus feet are always touching the earth. And the earth is very fort- is most fortunate because of that. There's a, a verse in the Venugita Gita that uh, also uh, deals with that uh, point. Um, then... Yeah, nature's silence um, or how, how do we learn from nature is, is a question that science has been struggling with in the last several hundred years. And they're trying to extract knowledge out of nature in so many ways. Um, So they're performing. Uh, This is perhaps a point to mention if we think what is bhakti yoga, what is bhakti, what is devotional service. Prabhupada would sometimes uh, speak of performing devotional service. We usually think when we use the word perform that there's an audience, somebody watching, and we may be doing all kinds of activities where nobody is watching. But then again, we want to be in the consciousness that uh, indeed someone is watching. The Lord is watching. The Lord is in the heart. And the Lord is, um, is seeing. He is the original uh, sakshi, the original... Um, A witness of our actions. So performing is an appropriate word. We uh, sort of followed with the gopis as they're searching for Krishna and eventually they uh, come upon footprints and eventually not just two footprints but four footprints and they uh, come to know, or they analyze, they realize this must be the favorite gopi mm, of Krishna, who is never named. Uh, she is carefully, carefully not named, but she is alluded to in verse 28. Uh, and we discussed. A bit about that um, quite important verse because it's it's taken to be a kind of revelation that indeed uh, this is Radha, the best of worshippers of the Lord. Uh, and uh, let's see, we eventually the gopis meet. Radharani alone, Shimati Rad, Radhika, Radha Rani, Queen, Queen Radha. Radha, Rani means queen. Uh, they meet her, she's alone, and she's uh, she's just like them, completely distraught because Krishna has disappeared from her. But why did Krishna leave her? This, uh, we read something uh, from Kavikarnapura. It was all devised by uh, Radharani because she wanted to, she was identifying with the other gopis. Um, Let's see, who has their microphone on? Bimala Prasad. Maybe you can turn off. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, we came to this very surprising perspective, uh, which we could see is a, a further glorification by one of the commentators, one of the Acharyas, Kavikarnapura, a further glorification of Uh, Radhrani, uh through which we understand, in fact, she is uh, having such a soft heart, she is compassionate, she is concerned about her gopī friends, and therefore she devises this arrangement for um, actually coming back together with the gopīs and Krishna being separate. So, They're all together in the same condition of Krishna's absence. And so uh, they begin their song of separation. Their feelings of separation of viraha or vipralamba, are now expressed in chapter 31. Uh, And we looked at two or three of these verses. But now let's go to Tabakatamri Tamritam. And this we find. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Here we are. Whoops. Yes. <clears throat> okay, Tavakatamritam Tapta Jivanam Kavibiriridam Kalmashapam Shravanamangalam Srimadatang Buvigrinanti Bhuridajana The nectar of your words and the descriptions of your activities are the life and soul of those suffering in this material world. These narrations, transmitted by learned sages, eradicate one's sinful reactions and bestow good fortune upon whoever hears them. These narrations are broadcast all over the world and are filled. With spiritual power. Certainly, those who spread the message of Godhead are most munificent. So, one reason this verse is important for us is because it's quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Who wants to tell us the context, the story, how it is that this uh, verse is spoken in Chaitanya Charitamrita? Anyone? Yes, Hey Magopi, Devi.
1: Um, Maharaj Pratap is denied darshan uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because Mahaprabhu thinks he is a king and hence materialistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during one Ratriyatra, when after dancing, when Mahaprabhu is resting. Um, King Prataparudra actually gets a chance to massage his feet and sing this song. And when when King Prataparudra sang this song, Mahaprabhu recognized him as devotee, and then he got Mahaprabhu's association.
0: Mm, yes. Uh, was Was King Prataparudra dressed as a king when he met uh, Lord mm-hmm. Caitanya?
1: He was dressed as servant of Lord Jagannath. He was in ordinary
0: clothes. Yes, he was. He, I think it's mentioned, isn't it? Mentioned he was dressed as a Brahmin. Uh, so yeah, like one of the servants of Lord Jagannath. Um, yeah, and he was reciting. Uh, I believe it's mentioned that he was reciting. Uh, the I don't know if it says the entire. Uh, Gopi Gita, but he was reciting verse after verse. And I find that interesting because um, you wouldn't normally think a king would be familiar with, would be memorizing Sanskrit verses from the Bhagavatam. (laughs) Uh, It says something about the culture, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That indeed, uh, we're talking about a devotional culture which uh, is hard for us to imagine in the present day. Prabhupada, yeah, I was just reading Srila Prabhupada saying in earlier times there were raja rishis and they, they, they you could follow them Um you could be confident in following them because uh, they they were actually rishis they were so even you know even 500 years ago <clears throat> king prataparudra seems to have had some devotional inclination and also skill in the sense of uh knowing knowing these verses now it could also be <clears throat> i'm just thinking aloud now but uh, as i understand it's uh the gita govinda is very much kind of central in the worship of lord jagannath and that the gita govinda is Chanted, sung. Um, the devadasis would dance, while the gita Govinda would be sung. One time, I was visiting Govinda Dev in Jaipur, and I was in the temple during the um, the morning darshan, seven o'clock or seven thirty. Uh, so many people come, and they're so enthusiastic to see uh, Govinda Dave. And uh, as soon as the c- curtain opened and there was Darshan, i I noticed that so many people uh, were singing in unison, kind of like spontaneously, they were singing something, and I didn't know what they're singing. There were no instruments, they were just, we say, a cappella, uh, just uh, their voices. But it was very sweet, and I wondered, and I asked about it, and I found out that they're singing verses from the Gita Govinda. So it seems that tradition kind of migrated from Puri uh, to To Jaipur. In any case, in Puri, uh, the Gita Govinda is very popular. And what's the inspiration for Gita Govinda? Of course, it's uh, Shrimad Bhagavatam, especially the Rasa So that might be a partial explanation for King Prataparudra's expertise. Okay, uh, so now I want to visit Sripad Sanatana Goswami in his commentary to this verse. Um, He makes, as ever, he makes interesting points and he also uh, uses the word or, or else it can be understood this way. So he has... I don't know how many times he's um, finding alternative ways of reading the meaning. So I'll just read through it. Uh, Or wait, I should uh, let you see also. One moment. Screen share. Now, why is that black? Well, let's go to this one. You can all see this? Yes, my lights. Okay, I'll make it a little bigger. Whoops. Mm. Yes, okay. All right, the commentary. He says, the nectar of your topics gives life to persons suffering pain from separation. So here he's explaining the first line, Tavakatamritam, Taptajivanam. Taptajivanam means persons suffering pain from separation. There is no effort required for hearing them. Hmm. Those topics are described with praise by ancient and contemporary poets hearing the meaning while being lusty or angry or having sin still gives effect gives effect those topics destroy all sin the meaning manifests by its own power not through qualification. There is no dependence even on understanding the meaning. Hearing itself is auspicious." <laughs> so interesting, isn't it? Um, Srila Prabhupada would say, say like that, if someone, when we distribute books, if someone takes a book and if they just read one page, If they just read one sentence, if they just read one word, if they just touch the book, (laughs) they are benefited. And this seems to be also, we could take it as a kind of anticipation of the Shruti verse, uh, which we'll discuss tomorrow uh, at the end of chapter 33. Or, not only do the topics destroy all misery immediately for the suffering jivas, but are praised by the poets for bestowing all things. How is that? It destroys samsara, kalma shapaham. Or, it destroys all suffering since samsara is the root of all difficulties. So the verse is tavakatamritam taptajivanam kavibiriritam. Uh, that's praised by the poets. Kalmasha paham. So kalmasha means yeah, contamination, sin, and apaha uh, removal. Moreover, it brings all auspiciousness. Now we come to the third line, Shravanamangalam. Thus, it accomplishes everything. By its power, and it here is referring to uh, the Amrita of the Kata of, of you, Tava, uh, which is, of course, Krishna there, in their song they're addressing Krishna, so they're saying Tavagatamritam. So these are all effects of uh, this Amrita of Krishna Kata. Thus it accomplishes accomplishes everything. By its nature, it bestows the highest result. It spreads wealth everywhere. Shima Atatam, so Shravanamangalam Shrimat Atatam, and Atatam. Let's see, uh, is translated here. Uh, yeah, here in the word for word, it's translated as broadcast all over the world. Hmm. My sense of it is it's uh, it's about extension, atatam. Mm. in any case. Or Sanatan Goswami says, or the order of effects is with increasing excellence. The topics like the, the nectar, destroy hunger, thirst, and sickness, produce strength and nourishment, and as the goal, produce sweet taste, śrīmat Okay, so that's taking it a different way, śrīmat That is widespread or all-pervading. Atatam, I think, could also mean all-pervading or widespread. However, nectar does not spread everywhere since it is for the enjoyment of the devatas. So I think here he is presenting what could be an objection. uh, Because the subject is amrita. So someone might say, Oh, but amrita, this is enjoyed by the devatas, by the demigods. So it's not going everywhere because we know from the eighth canto that the demons didn't get it. They were denied the amrita. So he seems to be alluding to that here. Or, since persons from whom excuse me, from whom to hear are unavailable and we cannot hear because of no control, due to the pain of separation, we have died. So we're reminded who is speaking. It's the gopis. They're speaking to Krishna, but they're saying, who are we going to hear this Krishna-kata from? Um we have no control. I don't know what that's applying to, but uh due to the oh I see, due to the pain of separation, so we've lost control of ourselves. I think that's the the idea. We've lost control of ourselves, so we can't actually hear uh this Tava Katamritam. And actually we can't hear because we've died. <laughs> And that's not all that that's not all that Sanatangoswami has for us. He says, or quote, "Oh, women in pain, until you recover, pass your time in speaking about me amongst yourselves." Unquote. Now, this is uh, Krishna speaking. Goswami is telling us that Krishna could be saying this. As an objection to what the gopis are saying. The gopis are saying, We can't hear Krishna Kata. And Krishna's saying, Look, I'm coming uh, after some time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you need to recover from your suffering. And the best way to do that is that you just talk amongst yourselves about me, okay? And then the gopis respond to what Krishna has said there. They speak in terror. Uh, They're horrified. They say, your topics are the cause of death. And now he plays with the word. The word is tavakatamritam. And he says, actually... It's not kata, it's not kata amritam, it's kata mritam. (laughs) Because Sandhi rules would allow that. Uh, This is the simplest of the Sandhi rules, that when you have two of the same vowel, one ending the first word and the same vowel beginning the second word, uh, they go together into one vowel which is long and then you have four options of dividing that again. can be short, long can be short, 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 long, long, long or long short uh, and and you don't know strictly speaking from the from what you read, because they're, so to say, merged. uh, It might be any one of these four options. So it could be kata-mritam. It could also be kata-amritam, which could mean something like really dead. Or it can also mean slightly dead. Long a can mean... Very much, or it can mean very little. (laughs) So anyway, Sanatanga Swami says, cause and effect are considered non-different. Thus, being dead, mritam, and the cause of dying are the same. So kata mritam. Um, there's been a cause, which is this kata, Krishna kata. And what's the result? We are dead. <laughs> you have killed us with the nectar of of your uh, talk about you or, or from you. Thus, being dead, mritam and the cause of dying are the same. This is a philosophical point also, um, cause and effect. Are considered non-different. Mm. Uh, this is standard Vedanta, and it's also standard uh, Sankhya, um, satkaryavada. So mm, that the eff- uh, the effect is present in the cause, as opposed to asatkaryavada, that the effect is not present in the cause. So uh, then he goes on, so why? From hearing those topics, we live in pain. Tapta-jivanam. So he's taken from that first line, tavakatamritam, tapta-jivanam. He's turned it completely around. Uh, Instead of saying tapta-jivanam is referring to the conditioned souls who are suffering and they are relieved from that. He's saying, we, the gopis, are tapta-jivanam. We are living in pain. Tapta means burned. Thus, those who hear those topics destroy themselves. <laughs> burida Now, the word burida normally means most beneficent. <laughs> and this is why in Chaitanya Charitamrita we hear, when Lord Chaitanya hears King Prataparudra reciting this verse, Lord Chaitanya gets very excited and he repeats this word, buddhida, buddhida. You, uh, King Prataparudra, he doesn't address him as king, but you are beneficent. You are most beneficent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thus, those who hear those topics destroy themselves. (laughs) Bodhidha. Uh, And then it goes on to say, Do in Bodhidha. I don't know why it's not means destruction the topics are a great destroyer of prana this is a statement uttered out of great pain in prema so he's turned everything completely upside down in his commentary taking the exact same words but there's more he says why are these topics related in the puranas This is a question from Krishna to the gopis. He's imagining or he's hearing. Why are these topics related in the Puranas? Krishna asks. The topics have been described p- described by poets. Kavibir iditam. Since the poets by nature describe everything, they have described these topics. They destroy sin and produce happiness, though not the ultimate happiness. Or, the topics are described by the poets because they destroy sin and create happiness. The poets praise the topics for destroying sin and giving pleasure to the ears. Thus, the topics are spread, atatam, by the poets, to kings who are intoxicated with wealth. Mm, Which is interesting if we think about this again in relation to Lord Chaitanya's pastime. Or (laughs) the topics are spread by persons intoxicated with wealth by songs and dance. Those who live for a moment with a hope of obtaining you are hopeless. Hare Krishna. There's uh, a lot in this verse. And this is what Sanatana Goswami is doing with all of the verses in this chapter. So, so it's very rich. Um, Now, this theme of of ecstatic pain uh, is certainly important, and it's being expressed in these verses of this chapter very much. It comes up repeatedly. Uh, And the initial verses, the gopis are... Expressing concern about their own pain of their own feelings in separation from Krishna. But there's an interesting shift that happens uh, with verses 11 and 12. Um, well, let's go to 11. Yeah. Dear Master, dear lover, when you leave the cowherd village to herd the cows, our minds are disturbed with the thought that your feet, more beautiful than a lotus, will be pricked by the spiked husks of grain and the rough grass and plants. Mm. So now they're concerned about Krishna's well-being. And the explanation in the commentary, just to summarize a little bit, is uh, to herd the cows, you're not only going on the the regular path. You have to leave the path and you're going into the forest and there's all kinds of sharp things there. There are sharp plants and uh, so on. So we're concerned about this. Mm. He says, he, he quotes, or he, yes, he quotes Hari It's interesting. Hari says, Ajhili Kantakavanam. The thick forest was filled with thorns. Because thorns were not there everywhere, and they are not mentioned in Bhagavatam. Well, I'm not sure I understand that explanation, but okay. Uh, the Bhagavatam is not wanting to refer. Sugadeva Swami doesn't, doesn't want to speak about thorns in Vrindavan. But he's saying that in Harivamsa, there is mention that there are Thorns. Of course, uh, Krishna Lila is described in Harivamsha. It's also in Vishnu Purana, and there's a book um, by one scholar, the late Noel Sheth, who I was fortunate to meet um, and speak with in and interview. Uh, did a study many years ago. His doctoral thesis was on the topic of comparing uh, the description of Krishna Lila in these three works So he's analyzing what are the what's the difference in flavor um, And as I remember one point he's making is simply that the in the Harivamsha Krishna Lila is more I think he used the word earthy it's more um, it's more it has more of a flavor of being, not exactly worldly, but something like that. Um, and then comes the Vishnu Purana, which is less like that, and it's more about Krishna's divinity. And then the Bhagavatam is making repeatedly clear that we're uh, we're hearing about we're we're hearing about the Lord Himself, Bhagavan. Um, okay. Well then it's mentioned we go to thirteen fourteen. Okay, they've talked about uh Krishna's lotus feet and their concern for those the well being of Krishna and his feet. Now they're talking more about his feet, his lotus feet. Verse thirteen. Uh, says, your lotus feet, which are worshipped by Brahma, fulfill the desires of all who bow down to them. They are the ornament of the earth in times of danger. They are the appropriate object of meditation and they give the highest satisfaction. O destroyer of anxiety, O bestower of joy, please put those lotus feet upon our breasts. So there. They're really begging the Lord uh, to relieve them of their pain. Mm. Uh, Let's come to this uh, second, to page 353. Yeah, starting here. Those who are surrendered worship those feet. Brahma is an example. The sages meditate on those feet. The feet decorate the earth for the sattvatas and cowherds. They produce prema, shantamam, for the gopis. The bestowal of desires is superior to the destruction of sin mentioned previously. That is the prayer in both interpretations, but with more misery than the previous prayer for his feet. It's referring referring to verse 7. Now, however, the feet become the sole object for getting relief with the expectation of happiness from a mind absorbed in those feet. Previously, the goal was directly mentioned to be destroying the desire in the heart. Now, however... That is indirectly hinted with Adi Han, O Destroyer of Pain. The excellence of the indirect method is explained. And then he quotes from the 11th canto of Bhagavatam. The Vedas divided into three divisions ultimately reveal worship of the Lord. The Vedic sages and mantras, however, state this indirectly since they know that I prefer this indirect method, parokshavada rishaya, paroksham mamachapriyam. That pain was also expressed as an affliction, but now because of the unlimited pain, they seek its destruction. So the emphasis is on how much pain they are feeling and the sense of urgency that you you really need to come and relieve our pain. Uh, and yet, it's also understood, and this uh, I I heard um, quoted in Srila Rupa Goswami's uh, Ujjvala He's speaking about the nature of prema. I believe he's giving a definition uh, of prema. And I don't have the exact quote here, but he's uh, giving uh, the essentially the sense that it is this uh, simultaneous mixture of Uh, utter bliss, utter uh, pleasure, and utter pain. But the pain is insignificant uh, because of the love. The pain is insignificant because the real feeling is love. Amarendra Prabhu gave an example, probably from his own experience, um, Uh, you know, from ordinary life, he said, uh, you live perhaps in the West and your parents are in India and your parents come to visit you and they've come for some months uh, to stay with you and you meet them at the airport and because they're staying for some months they have a lot of luggage with them and you see them and you're very happy to see them you welcome them, and uh, you immediately start just picking up the luggage, one after another, after another. And your your father or your mother says, "No, no, no, no! Don't don't try to carry so much at once." And you and your happiness say, "No, no, it's fine. It's not a problem," because you really don't feel the pain. It's painful, but you don't feel the pain. <laughs> You don't feel it as pain. Let's put it that way, uh, because the overwhelming feeling is, is love. Hmm. Um, okay. One of my kind of favorites also is number fifteen. Atate yat Bhavan. Ahnikananam Chuti Yugayate Twang Apashatam Kutila Kuntalam Sri Mukamchate Jada Udikshatam Pakshmahrid Drisham When you go off to the forest during the day, a tiny fraction of a second becomes like a millennium for us. Because we cannot see you. And even when we can eagerly look upon your beautiful face, so lovely with its adornment of curly locks, we think the creator was foolish in making eyelids. Um, Let's see the word. Yes. Yes. Jada Udikshatam. Pakshmakrit Drisham. Um, Lord Brahma is referred to as Pakshmakrit, as the maker of eyelids. <laughs> and so they're, they're making a, what we would call a side swipe, a uh, sort of, by the way, criticism of, <laughs> of Lord Brahma. And Sanatan Goswami says, since it is impossible to tolerate the time of suffering, a moment feels like a yuga. Not seeing you for a long time is intolerable. Therefore, quickly reveal yourself. All the people of Raja cannot see you when you go to the forest, what to speak of us. And when we do see your beautiful face with curling locks of hair, we, what to speak of others, do so with eyes having eyelids. Thus, even seeing you is faulty. So there's a problem of Krishna's absence, and there's a problem also of Krishna's presence. They're never satisfied. Even Krishna's presence, there's a problem. What's the problem? The problem is this moment of closing the eyes to clear the dust that collects on the eyes. That's a problem. Or, O Krishna, with inscrutable nature, we derive no pleasure from you at all. (laughs) Seeing or not seeing you, we suffer. Then they speak this verse this verse. First they show that not seeing him produces suffering, and then they show that seeing him produces suffering. Brahma is ignorant since he did not make eyes that do not blink. He should be cursed. <laughs> or he who can cut off krit. Eyelashes of people who see is very learned. Ajada. So he's he's really playing with the Sanskrit here. Uh, ajada. He's turning. Where does he do that? Uh, hmm. I guess he's taking it from the previous line, te, and making it ta. I don't know. Ajada. Ajada. Um, or he who cuts eyelids off his eyes, Sudrasham is wise and can see nicely. Udikshatam uh, Udikshatam is in the verse. We, however, with eyelids covering our eyes are foolish. What can we see directly? A major, major theme in the Bhagavatam is seeing the Lord. And we talked about that a little bit. um, The different ways the Lord appears in the Bhagavatam. He's appearing to... Did we discuss or we only talked about it? We were going to discuss. In any case... Um, the Lord is appearing, then he's disappearing. he's appearing to Narada he's disappearing from Narada he's he's leaving Queen Kunti and uh the pandavas so he's he's actually the first canto of Bhagavatam. It's the beginning of the Bhagavatam, but it's in many ways it's telling the end of the story It's telling how Krishna leaves. Mm. Okay, and then uh, coming to verse 19. This is the last verse. Yate sujata. Oh yeah, this is a different meter. Yate sujata charanam buruham staneshu bita shanay O dearly beloved, your lotus feet are so soft that we place them gently on our breasts, fearing that your feet will be hurt. Our life rests only in you. Our minds, therefore, are filled with anxiety that your tender feet might be wounded by pebbles as you roam about on the forest path. It seems we get a sense that the mood of the gopis has been transformed. Uh, The the problem which caused Krishna's disappearance was uh, that he detected pride. Now their pride has come to an end and they've been humbled by Krishna's absence. And now we have this final prayer uh, to Krishna, which really sounds completely humble. Mm. I'm jumping now over to uh, the later paragraph. It says, Sanatana Goswami says, This statement at the end reminds one of Radha, who is suggested by the words sva jana in the previous verse. The pain in the heart of the previous verse can mean the worry about Krishna's pain as he wanders in the forest. We desire to extinguish, nishudanam, that pain. That will be achieved by seeing him. Naha, in the plural, indicates the whole group of her satis, or all the gopis, according to one's mood. They mention twice his feet being injured because of the softness of his feet. They pray twice to place those feet on their breasts. Saranganam padambujam. His lotus feet are the refuge of pure devotees who never talk or sing of any subject except his lordship. Uh, That's from First Canto. They are unable even to do that because of their misery and devotion. Twice they pray for the nectar of his lips since it is the cause of their life. They constantly describe his face since it is especially attractive, other things could also be mentioned by the devotees having taste and sympathy with the pastime. Hmm. And that's how that chapter ends. Okay, let's come back together. So we come to the end of the Gopis' song, and um, this has been a time of, you might say, inaction. Uh, On the other side, it's the most, mm, we may say also the most emotionally intense. So in the previous chapter, the Gopis are running around looking for Krishna. Now they've sat down, and now, uh, with a sort of focused laser beam um, prayer, and they want to coax Krishna to return to them. And so we can say the intensity, the level of intensity here is actually very high-pitched. Okay, uh, comments. Let's see. Bhima Prasad G.,
2: not just a comment, just a small clarification. Mm. Uh, you mentioned some verse, and you are like uh, referring that Krishna loves parokshavad. Yes. What is that verse? Priyam, I I I could register. I couldn't. I just wanted to write it.
0: Oh, uh, it was 11th canto. I'd have to search now where that came.
2: But I can search it. Like, if I know the verse, I'll search it. 11th canto. Thank you, Maharaj. It's,
0: oh, no, I have it here. It's canto 11, chapter 21. Verse 35. Okay. Thank you, Maharaj. Veda Brahmatma Vishaya Trikanda Vishaya Ime parokshavada rishaya, paroksham mamachapriyam. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Uh, Shimati himagopi.
1: Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Uh, When we were uh, discussing the different meanings of Tava Katamrita, Mm-hmm. I was thinking so much that the verse uh, represents somehow Srila Prabhupada mm. uh, being most munificent. It's it's uh, transmitted by sages, it destroys mm. all the sin, Yes, and the people who carry this message are the most. I was feeling like the gopis are talking about Prabhupada, <laughs> like a, a, it from the mood of yeah. uh, having Krishna to themselves, yeah. There was an, I felt like there is an expansion where they want to give Krishna to everyone. Some, some I, I can't explain it nicely, mm. but it felt like they were sharing Krishna and yeah, it yeah. was like Prabhupada's more than gopi, I was feeling it's worse mm. first, first for Prabhupada.
0: Yes thank you very nice um yes it's easy to it's easy to see that uh, that sense and um it's very fitting as you say it, it it's a fitting description of Śrīla uh, and uh kavibir and shrimat it's he has spread not just um, not just in India, but all over the world. Uh, okay. And Jalangi Devi.
3: Hare Krishna Maharaj.
0: Hare Krishna. I have a question. Oh, okay. I don't I know if reason. I have an answer.
3: <laughs> because we talk about the gopis in separation, and mm-hmm. actually they have a lot of hope. Because later in the next chapter, there's reunion. I was thinking, how is our hope? Because there is a purport in Shiloh Prabhupada's uh, Kanton 1, chapter 14, verse 8, the last sentence of the purport. It says that the Lord left his body means that he left again his plenary portions in the respective dhammas, transcendental abodes. As he left his virat rupa in the material world, so I was thinking for us we go we go to visit the holy dams hmm. is that because the lord's uh, the Lord he left again his plenary portions in the respective dhamas, but how to understand it, and where's our hope in separation from Krishna?
0: hmm oh, this sounds like a big big subject um. And I think it's, I think a proper answer would be, would have to do with uh, the various ways of understanding the word dharma. Um, in his book, uh, Rajadharma Mahima, uh, His Holiness um, Shivarām Swami. Explains at at length about this subject uh, in in the introduction. Uh, this is a multi-volume work he has done. It's uh, eight eight very thick volumes. Most devotees don't even know about this. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a very detailed paricrama. <laughs> Of, That's because it's and, too uh, expensive, Maharaj. <laughs> yes, I know it's very expensive and hardbound. Um, but he, he gives a, a, a lengthy explanation about how there are different different types. I think he gives five different types of dhamma. And um, so, of course, there's Aprakata and there's prakata lila, mm. And I don't remember the terminology right now. It's been, a, it's been some months since uh, we talked about this in another context. Krishna, it's, it's understood. Okay, so one of the understandings is for the devotees who are advanced, they see Krishna present in Vrindavan today. They it it's like Krishna is actually present. <clears throat> and and this is the understanding that we aspire for. Mm. I think it's uh, related, though, to the understanding Prabhupada said we aspire for with the deity. He said, you know, if if we see the deity as stone, uh, then we may only see stone lifetime after lifetime. <laughs> um, but if we see him as the Lord, then we are seeing him face to face. And he would often say, you can Um, you can speak with Krishna and Krishna will respond. And that's the feeling, at least I can say, I had uh, the few times that I saw Prabhupada and he would be in the temple and he would be, as we say, having darshan of the deities. There was this very... Distinct feeling that he was with Krishna at those times, and he was connecting with Krishna. Um, but I think your question is, "What hope is there for us?" Uh, there's a lot of hope, <laughs> but we may not comprehend how it is. It is as um, One of the features, one of the characteristics of the stage of bhava, I guess it's Rupa Goswami who explains, is uh, ashabandha, literally bound by hope. Our Prabhupada translates hope against hope. Um, We have this expression in English, hope against hope. Uh, It's like there's no reason to hope, and still you hope. That's, um, but Ashabanda has an interesting, different flavor. It's bound, bound by hope. Um, one lady scholar wrote a, a biography of Gandhi, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, called "Prisoner of Hope." <laughs> he was. Several times in his life he was put in prison um, by the British, but so she plays on that, that he was a prisoner of hope. So we are imprisoned, so to say, by hope, and that somehow, despite ourselves, uh, Krishna will reveal himself to us. Okay. Yes, Maharaj. Thank you so much. Hare <laughs> Krishna. Jai Govinda, Prabhu.
4: Hi, Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Haribar. Maharaj, coming back to this hope against hope, mm. uh, one time I heard uh, His Holiness Shivram Maharaj uh, speaking about this. We, mm. the devotees, we have the real hope at the lotus feet of Vaishnavas. We have real hope at the lotus feet of Srila Prabhupada and mm. all our predecessors are Acharya.
0: Yes. Thank you. Yes.
4: Exactly. And an, yeah. Another Maharaj. Uh, Maharaj explained uh, Krishna Lila is explained in three scriptures: Hari Vamsha, Vishnu Purana, and Shrimad Bhagavatam.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: And uh, you mentioned uh, in you know the difference. Uh, uh, the Hari Vamsha, it's Arti.
0: Earth, earth, earthy. Yes. Uh,
4: yeah. Uh, what exactly that means, Maharaj? Because we understand, you know, from Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, Krishna Leela is,
0: you know, very transcendental. Yeah. Well, that's, I haven't, I'm not familiar with the uh, Harivamsa description, Um, but earthy, just the English word earthy means, uh, sometimes it can be translated as, uh, or a synonym might be, um, sensual, uh, a sort of emphasis on the physicality, um, yeah, something like that. So, so this is a contrast, as I understand, between the Harivamsa and the Bhagavatam. So we understand also different scriptures are for different people, right? Um, for some people, the Bhagavatam will be too too transcendental. <laughs> Okay, so they get Krishna Leela in this other format. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Yes, Maharaj.
2: Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Hare. Maharaj, please uh, forgive me for keeping the camera off That's okay. for today. It's okay. <clears throat> Maharaj, you were talking about uh, Shivaram Maharaj's book uh, where five types of Vrindavan are mentioned. Mm-hmm. Somehow I heard that in a lecture. So these five are uh, Goloka Vrindavan in the yeah. spiritual world. Yes. The second is the Homa Vrindavan, the Vrindavan on the earth. Yes. The third is Drishyaman Vrindavan. Ah, yes. The Vrindavan we see as now hmm. with all its holdings and Vrindavan.com and all that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The fourth one is uh, uh, Gupta Vrindavan, that the devotees create, like Sanatan Goswami created in ah, the yes,
0: Kili. yes, yes.
2: And the fifth one is Guviya Vrindavan, that devotees carry in the their- heart.
0: Yes, now you've reminded me, thank you. Yes, uh, so there you have it. <laughs> there are five different sorts. And I find it especially interesting that the fourth type... Um, the was Gupta Vrindavan is a kind of recreation or a an expansion of Vrindavan, and this brings us back in a way to Srila Prabhupada's preaching because one of his principles, uh, purposes of, of ISKCON was to create holy places uh, of the Lord's pastimes, and the first. Uh, place in America specifically was New Vrindavan, uh, which was established in 1968 initially. Um, and if I can make a little uh, promotion here for New Vrajadam in Hungary, Shivaram Swami has written this series of books specifically for this purpose, to inspire devotees, uh, for going to Vrindavan, having Parikrama, but also to have a similar meditation as they do Parikrama around Nuvrajadam uh, in Hungary, which is, uh, yeah, if you ever have opportunity, you come to Europe, um, I think you'd be uh, quite uh, quite struck, quite impressed by this project they're doing. They have, I don't know, 250 or or more um, hectares land. I think they're acquiring more land, and um, in a very, very organized way, they're making it. Uh, they're pursuing self sufficiency and beautiful deity worship. Very, very beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hari Lila Prabhu.
5: Hare Krishna Maharaj. So coming back to this uh, topic of this hope against hope. Ah. And uh, <laughs> the question which uh, Jalangi Mataji was asking. Mm. Uh, I was actually meditating on the different type of gopis yesterday. And then suddenly it stuck to me that... Uh, Uh, they are all already designated groups there is uh, Gopakanyas there is uh, Shrutichari Gopis, there is Munichari Gopis, and then Devatanyas Mm -hmm. so where do devotees who actually leave uh, uh, or aspire to enter the Bhavumalila which category they enter in because there seems to be no category for them at least to my simple mind there seems to be no category for them
0: uh no, that was mentioned that there are two category two main categories of sadhana And within one of those are the shhutichari um, uh, and the uh, what's the other chari?
5: Rishichari.
0: rishi Rishichari. Huh? Rishi rishi rishi. Yes, Rishichari. Rishi. And then the other category of sadhana was Ordinary devotees, ordinary gopis, something like that. Um, but I think uh, it's also relevant, and I won't be able to say where he says this, but that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says that one engages in practicing devotional service in this life, and one aspires then to take birth in Braja as a child of one of the gopis, one of the gopi mothers. So, and then one makes more progress and then one can go to uh, Goloka Vrindavan and be permanently there. So, But another point is there may be different ways of categorizing. And we may just be getting one set of categories, uh, what we read in this uh, particular commentary. So this is not... (laughs) And it's one of the many things I'm not expert about. (laughs) So I'm sorry, I can't give you a definitive answer. But I would say very generally... Our, our track, our path, is certainly sadhana. And there are two kinds of sadhana, of course. There's uh, Vaidhi, sadhana bhakti, and there's Raga Anuga, sadhana bhakti. Sometimes the devotees are not understanding this point, that Raga Anuga bhakti is a form of sadhana. Rupa Goswami explains that. It's, it's a practice. Which leads to the sadhya, the pure perfection. Mm. So, in any case, we are doing sadhana, and this can lead to siddha. Thank
5: you very
0: much. Is that all right? It's also there uh, in Nectar of Devotion, which is, of course, Prabhupada's summary of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. There's, there's also Kripa Siddha, isn't it? Mm. And then Prabhupada says, but don't depend, don't expect to get Kripa Siddha, don't expect to get an honorary doctorate. Uh, You know, you you should go to the university and do the work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you
5: very
0: much. Okay. Anyone else, anything before we move on to chapter 32? um perhaps perhaps we should take our break now as a kind of natural point of division and then come back and enter into the reunion chapter okay all right see you soon I think we could continue. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> we have mentioned in the chat by Radh His Holiness Bhakti, Charamaraj Maharaj, in 2015, gave a class on this verse, Tavaka Tamritam. Oops, I have to get my microphone. Sorry. Um, I'm reading Radha Madhava Dasi's message on chat. His Holiness Bhakti Charu Maharaj in 2015 gave class on this verse, Tavakatamritam, for an hour in Kolkata during Jaladutta Yatra celebrations to prove that this verse refers to Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> That's nice. Okay, so... All right, we go into chapter 32, The Reunion, and I've selected uh, some verses to look at. The main one being the final one, Naparayeha. And we spoke before of Shivaram Swami writing these books, he's also written an entire book just on this verse. (laughs) So you get a sense how, how, you know, it's possible to expand on on the Bhagavatam. Srila Prabhupada said in one lecture, I probably mentioned before, that one could spend 30 days discussing every single verse. And he kind of said, so do the math. How long is that going to take for 18,000 verses? Mm. (laughs) One month per verse. Okay. Uh, Before we go to verse 22, um, well, what's happening? Finally, finally, Krishna is reappearing. And he seems to just kind of suddenly there he is. Uh, And one point I think we can make about this is that it goes back to our theme of reception. And I was saying, I guess, yesterday that when the gopis first come to Krishna in the forest, and Krishna receives them. He receives them in a strange sort of way, um, kind of joking with them, but also warning them and telling them they should go back home, and, and so on. So that's a kind of reception. He's receiving the gopis. But this is a reversal we may want to say, of the ordinary ritual form of reception, which is the devotee is worshipping Krishna, he or she is receiving the Lord, and svagatam su svagatam, he is welcoming. Uh, But as we know, there are many stories of reception in the Bhagavatam, which are not so not so nice. Um, they're not welcoming. Famously, I mentioned, I believe, um, Maharaj Prichat being not welcomed or being ignored by Shamika Rishi. Um, Sati Devi, as she leaves her husband, not in modern sense, leaving but uh, ignoring his advice to not go to the yajna of her father because her father is in a special mood. She ignores that and she goes, and sure enough, the reception she receives from her father is completely cold. It's so cold uh, that despite the warm reception from her female relatives... She is so angry, so distraught at how, um, not for herself, but how her father is uh, speaking about and regarding her husband, Lord Shiva, uh, that she incinerates herself. She goes into yoga trance and she burns herself uh, to ashes in protest. I think this is the original. The original, uh, dare I say, suicide—not um, bombing, but suicide burning. Um, the point is that this is a this is a case of a very unfriendly reception. Now with the Rasa dance, the initial reception was, we may say, a kind of, um, how to say, well, it was uh, playful in a way which evoked the gopis increased more their desire to express their desire to be with Krishna. But then Krishna disappears. Now Krishna's returning and now the gopis are receiving Krishna. And that's being described in verses 3 through 9. And Srila Sanatan Goswami explains that in these verses it becomes clear that the pain of the gopis, which they had expressed so much in their song in the previous chapter is now dis- dispelled. It's now gone. So let's look at, let's go to the end of this series, to verse number nine. <clears throat> 32, nine. Uh, which um, in the BVT version has no purport sarvas ta Keshava Loka Paramotsavanir Virta Jahur Virahajang tapang Pragyam Prapya Yata Janaha all the Gopis enjoyed the greatest festivity when they saw their beloved Keshava again. They gave up the distress of separation, just as people in general forget their misery when they gain the association of a spiritually enlightened person. Okay, um, there's an analogy here. which uh, We can give a little... Give some attention to, but first let's go to the commentary of Sanatanga Swami. It's not so long. Uh, I'll share the screen. And okay, okay. So um, yes. Okay, let's just read the, the commentary. Not only they gave up suffering and became joyful, all others also became joyful. Keshava means he who has beauty. Va means to exist, and Kesha means beauty. Even one of his hairs, <laughs> even one of his hairs has all beauty. Even seeing him a little, aloka, produced a cessation of pain, of separation, nyavritaha, by fulfillment of all desires or expansion of the heart, utsava. Okay, so the word utsava, uh, he's glossing in an interesting way here, uh, because the normal way would be. It means festival. Parama <clears throat> utsava But here he takes utsava as meaning expansion of the heart. Ut means up or out. And sava, I believe, can mean heart. Or they extinguished all suffering by joking in prema. Parama utsava and looking at him intently, aloka. Okay, now the example. An example is given. Prajñam means he who knows completely the best topics, the great devotee who knows the glories of Krishna and bhakti. Uh, you'll find this word Pragna in the Bhagavad Gita, in chapter 2, uh, stita pragyasya karbhasa samadhi stasya keshava, um, and then Krishna's answer in several verses. A few times the word pragnya is there, uh, meaning one who is very wise. So here we get sort of the the ultimate meaning, we might want to say, Pragya means he who knows completely the best topics, the great devotee who knows the glories of Krishna and Bhakti. So that is real prajna. People, janaha, or the Vaishnavas, (laughs) ajanaha, on again associating affectionately with such a great devotee, after he has gone elsewhere, destroy their pain of separation. Only devotees meeting devotees can be compared to devotees meeting the Lord, just as only the battle between Rama and Ravana can be compared to the battle between Rama and Ravana. (laughs) Now that's interesting because in order to make a point about comparison, He's making a comparison of comparisons. So in the verse, the the comparison is uh, they gave up the distress of separation. Jahu, virahaja, tapam, tapam is the pain, the misery. Virahaja, born of viraha. Mm. Uh, just as people in general, jana, um, just as people in general forget their misery, when they gain the association of a great devotee, prapya, so yata is signaling that this is a comparison, prapya pragnam, having gained a pragna. And uh, you can notice here how also Goswami plays with uh, the Sanskrit yata-janaha could also mean yata-ajanaha, again because of the Sandhi uh, rule for the comb- combination of the, the two, two vowels here. And so he plays with that just to say people, people in general, Janaha, or the Vaishnavas. And he's saying, Ajanaha are Vaishnavas. Vaishnavas are those who are more than just ordinary people. Mm. So... But then he makes this point, only devotees meeting devotees can be compared to devotees meeting the Lord. Uh, And so prajna here has to mean devotees if we understand as ajana rather than jana. And then he gives this uh, interesting, uh, to make his point, he makes an analogy. Just as only the battle between Rama and Ravana can be compared to the battle between Rama and Ravana. <laughs> there's no other. You, there's no other battle. What would you compare this battle to? You know, you couldn't say, "Oh, the battle between Rama and Ravana is." It is just like the whatever. Try to think of something. Well, it's not just like any. Other battle. This was a very special battle. It was unique. Okay, now I wanted to uh, elaborate a little on this point of comparison because there's so much analogy, so many analogies in the Bhagavatam, and there are many in the Yaya and uh, we have the help again of. Sripad Kavikarnapura and uh, by the grace of some very qualified translators uh, I believe also students of yes uh, Matsyavatar Prabhu and Gaurapada Prabhu uh, were students of Paranadana Prabhu and they've become very qualified, they're now I believe also, no, I can't say that. I don't know what they're working on. But they've been producing some nice works. And one of them is the Alankara Kostuba, the jewel of poetics of Kavikarnapura. And so we have it available in English language. Uh, And it's an amazing book, I must say. It's a thick book, you can see (laughs) It has uh, altogether more than a thousand pages. So, uh, there is a section. The eighth ray is called Ornaments of Meaning. Uh, it's an analysis of poetics, of Sanskrit poetics, and it's it's very elaborate. I would say it's... Uh, it, goes very well together with Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu and the Ujjvala-nilamani of Rupa Goswami. So the first section of the ornaments of meaning is called upamā, which means comparison or simile. And uh, first he gives a little definition yata-katanchit-sadharmyam sadarmyam upama Upamā, or simile, consists in a similarity of attribute, somehow or other. And then he's going to elaborate. There are many different ways that comparisons can be made. So next he says, upamā is the relationship between the upamana, the standard of comparison, and the upameya, the subject of the comparison, that occurs on account of some attribute in common. The similarity is partial. It is not that all the aspects of the upamana and of the upameya have to be the same because then there could be no relationship between the upamana and the upameya since they would be totally non-different. Okay. So um, as we've also discussed before, an analogy has its limits. There will be some points of commonality uh, but not all points of commonality; otherwise, otherwise, there's no difference. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, read a bit more of this um, from Krishnadas Kaviraj. Uh,
5: sorry, from sorry. Kavikarnapur. Yes, like whatever you're explaining last the last two minutes when you're there, it was all chopped. So okay.
0: we humbly you to revisit the
5: topic and, and explain.
0: Okay, I'll back up. Thank you. So um, I just want to introduce how Kavikarnapura uh, is explaining about comparison because it's something that comes up so much in the Bhagavatam in general. And uh, it came in this verse that we read. And so uh, in his book, uh, the Alankar Kostuba, the Jewel of Poetics, the eighth ray, the eighth part, uh, first section of this part is called Upama, which means simile. And first he gives this short definition. Upama consists in a similarity of attributes somehow or other. And then he's going to elaborate. There's so many types of comparison, of uh, analogy or simile. And these are poetic ornaments, uh, so they, they, it's, it's all within the broader subject of Sanskrit poetics. So then he gives this somewhat technical exp, um, further definition. Upama is the relationship between the upamana, the standard of comparison, and the upameya, the subject of the comparison, that occurs on account of some attribute in common. The similarity is partial. It is not that all the aspects of the upamana and of the upameya have to be the same, because then there could be no relationship between the upamana and the upameya since they would be totally non-different. And I was just saying like that, it's um, analogies are giving some comparison, but they're not perfect comparisons. And if they were perfect, you couldn't make a comparison because there wouldn't be any difference, so you'd have another problem. Um, okay, then it says there's two kinds of simile, one is complete and one is called elliptical. Uh, and an upama is complete when the four elements are expressed. The upameya, the upamana, the common attribute and a word of comparison. For example, quote, Her face is delightful like the moon. This is the standard. <laughs> this is one of the most standard of examples in poetry. Her face is delightful like the moon. Here, the upameya is the face. The upamana is the moon. The attribute in common is being delightful. And the word of comparison is like. In this Case the word used is yata. This simile is complete because the four constituent elements are expressed. And then he goes on to uh, further to the indirect or the um, uh, the elliptical type, and for that there's different words. Um, other than yata. Mm. There are six kinds of complete upama, and there are technical terms for them. Five kinds of elliptical simile, and there's technical terms for each of them. For example, vakya ga shroti lupta, uh, samasa ga shroti lupta. So the point is that If we were, you know, if we really knew our poetics, uh, we would be fully competent with Alankara Kostuba, then we could identify all different sorts of poetic uh, features of the rasa pancadhyaya, and especially the gopita and the other uh, Gitas, the Venu Gita, the Brahmara Gita, and so on. Um, And that could be a a wonderful project to pursue if it hasn't already been done. Uh, Of course, Srila Rupa Goswami is doing that in some ways, uh, but he's giving a kind of overview in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, with respect to rasa specifically, and then his Ujjvala Nilamani is uh, specifically focused on Madhurya rasa. Madhurya. Um, let's see now, reception. Okay, then just wanted to call attention to verse number 10 where all the gopis are surrounding krishna encircled by the gopis who were now relieved of all distress lord achyuta the supreme personality had shone forth splendidly my dear king krishna thus appeared like the super soul encircled by his spiritual potencies. We already talked about this, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Why is that not moving? Okay. Uh, get things out of the way. Uh, Because there is a motif in the Bhagavatam. I call it the mandala motif. And what we might want to say is that the rasa mandala, which will be manifest fully in the final chapter is uh, the paradigmatic mandala it is the mandala of mandalas it is the circle which is not just a circle it is a dance and it's not just a dance it's the dance of the supreme lord uh, with his energies his Ladini Shakti energies, the Gopis. And it's not just a dance that's going on for some time and then it's stopping, it's the dance that's going on perpetually. Uh, And all of the details of the five chapters that are um, describing the drama are in some sense surrounding also this... Mandala of the dance itself, and so we're getting in verse number ten a kind of um, preparation for that. For this uh, complete mandala, tabir vidhuta shokabir, Bhagavanachita they There, uh, surround. He is surrounded. Achita is vritha. He is surrounded. Um, by the gopis. So there are some other mandalas um, suggested in the Bhagavatam. Famously, I would say, there is a kind of mandala of Naimisharanya in the first canto. Uh, All the sages of Naimisharanya are encircling Sutta Goswami to hear from him. Can we think of any other mandalas in the Bhagavatam?
4: Sukhde Goswami hearing from Parishit Maharaj. I'm sorry, Parishit Maharaj hearing
0: from Sukhde Goswami. <laughs> okay. So, uh, situations of uh, someone speaking the Bhagavatam and others... Uh, Sitting, surrounding, and hearing—any other sorts of of circular Hare Krishna patterns in the?
2: Hare Krishna Maharaj? Yes, uh, Maharaj uh, Rishabadev addressing his sons, also Prithu Maharaj addressing the citizens. Okay, is that could be also looked into as mandalas?
0: Possibly, yes. Why not? Any others?
5: All situations where some. Sacrifices performed would definitely have a mandala situation. Wherever there is a performance of sacrifice, in
2: mm.
5: different places in Bhagavatam, there is explanation of performance of sacrifice. Right. Like, uh, Maharaj performing sacrifice, Bali oh, performing yeah. sacrifice.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. So many uh, yagyas are referred to, Some, some of them in a positive way and some in a negative way.
5: <laughs> yeah, but but, but, but they're all mandalas. they the, the mandalas.
0: Exactly, yes. Uh I'm thinking of one more mandala situation.
3: Raj, I, I hmm. remember that Nanda Maharaj leading the uh, like the cows, they're moving from Goloka to, to Rindavan. That time they use their cows, they also formed a kind of half mandala,
0: Acha. a half circle. Ah okay. Yes very nice thank you. Well, uh,
3: Maharaj also the gopas having their food with uh, krishna.
0: Yes that's that's also there. And uh, there's some very nice paintings of that scene. Um and also and
5: also when, and mm-hmm. also when krishna was walking there are uh, around him there are boys who actually uh, form the mandala. Uh, mm-hmm. In different, the boys are there, in front there is someone, back there is someone. So okay. So that also, that is also explained, that also could be a mandala formation.
0: Okay. Very good. Um, what about in the fifth canto? You
2: talk of Bhu Mandala.
0: Bhu mandala, exactly. Yes, the cosmic mandala. We're getting uh um the the great the great cosmic um circle dance if you like <laughs> it's a kind of anticipation of the rasa mandala and uh, there's a kind of mandala I would suggest in the eighth canto Sorry, Yes, the man, uh, the Samudramantana. Man, yes, the churning of the uh, of the milk ocean. That is certainly a mandala. It's creating a a circular kind of a formation, and then generating. So we can say also the process of creation. Mm, that's described there is a kind of mandala. Um, we may also think in terms of of time, the circularity of time, the 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 uh, repetition of the ages, the repetition of course the days, the uh, the months, the years, and the kalpas, and so on. These are also sort of um we can say mm, mandalas of time, but in the center of all of them, as far as the Bhagavatam is concerned the the center core of all mandalas or the primordial mandala is certainly the rasa mandala, and that's being anticipated in this uh Verse number 10. At least it seems that way to me. Encircled by the gopis who were now relieved of all distress, Krishna, perfect in himself, without fault, shone forth more splendidly than previously. My dear king, Krishna thus appeared like the jiva encircled by his senses. Another analogy. Vyarot. Chatadikam tata purusha shaktibir yatah. Okay. Um, Well, let's go to this final section briefly. We've already talked about, but there's so much more we could discuss about friendship, uh, starting from. Verse number sixteen and going to the end of the chapter, verse twenty-two. When Krishna makes his confession, not parayam niravadya This is discussing the theme of of friendship, of relationship, of exchange, and we saw Jiva Goswami. You may remember. Um, just for reminder, let's see if I can invoke that. Mm. Yes, he says. He says it's a riddle <laughs> presented presented by the gopis, and then Krishna gives his answer. Uh, These uh, to the riddle with two sets of four types of persons. Uh oh! (laughs) Oh dear! We're getting internet because of help from from the telephone of my assistant, which is now sending an alarm. I don't know if I'll be able to stop it. Excuse me. Okay. Are you Krishna? So, um, never a dull moment here okay yeah so uh, there were these two sets of four answers to their quiz to their riddle he said in his mind understanding the meaning of this riddle Sri Krishna said this is Jiva Goswami and his Gopal Champu these four persons are respectively one persons greedy after their own self interest two ungrateful persons three pious persons and four persons who know the highest truths of spiritual life or these persons may also be respectively described as one bewildered fools two persons who are self-satisfied three liberated persons and four merciful persons we get a lot of things in groups of four Um, I wanted to just mention that uh, there's been, historically, in Western philosophy, going all the way back to Plato, discussion about friendship, and uh, one of the dialogues of Socrates, Socrates, is called the Lysis, or the Lysis. And this is specifically on friendship. So it's a big discussion about what is friendship. And as it's typical for Socrates, he wants to get a definition. Everyone starts out saying, well, you know, you know, friendship. Everyone knows what a friend is. Um, And then when he keeps drilling, yes, but what do you actually mean? Uh, is that what you mean? No, 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 not like that, and so on. Finally, it comes to the conclusion that there's no conclusion. What is friendship? They can't come to a a clear uh, conclusion. Also, uh, just to widen our horizons a little bit, uh, Confucius, in the ancient Chinese literature, talks about friends he's called Confucius in from Latin um, it's actually Conf, Kong Kong in Chinese Jalangi is that right pronunciation Jalangi Maharaj. yes
3: perfect Maharaj
0: <laughs> okay so um, he says there are good friends who can help us and there are bad friends who cause us trouble. And he says there are three kinds of good friends. First are the straight or true friends, uh, which is to say they are upright, they're honest, they're fair-minded. The second group are loyal and trustworthy friends. The third group are well-informed friends. Okay, okay. Then there's bad friends. Bad friends are also of three types. First are ingratiating in action friends, which means they, fl- they are flattering and fawning. They're not really um, straightforward. Second are pleasant in appearance or two faced friends. And third are plausible in speech friends which is to say they brag and they exaggerate they are fast talkers they don't really don't really tell you what's going on whoops oh dear <laughs> Okay, so anyway, that's one analysis. One other analysis from the West. This is more modern. Uh, This comes from C.S. Lewis, who was a scholar at Oxford in the 1940s. And um, he um, he was a Christian theologian wrote many books. One of them is called The Four Loves. And he speaks, uh, first there is what he calls affection, um, which is in Latin, I guess, or maybe it's Greek, storge. And he says, this is the humblest and the most widely diffused of loves. Um, Then there's friendship which ancients considered to be happiest and most full, fully human of all loves. Uh, he says that in the modern world this kind of friendship is ignored. There's Philia, uh, which Aristotle speaks of, which is love, um, translated usually. There's amicitia, uh, which Cicero speaks of. And then there's eros, from which we have the word erotic. Uh, and he says this is being in love, and it includes other things than sexuality. Sexual desire without eros wants something. The thing in itself, whereas Eros wants the beloved. So there's desire for the beloved. But finally, he speaks of caritas, charity. And this is the Christian term for love of God. And the point he's making here is that it is this kind of love which validates and sustains any other sort of love. Um, uh, So, yeah, I think that's nice to be aware of. Okay. So, um, let's finally go to the final verse of this chapter. And let's see what... Sanatan Goswami says about it. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's go here, and here, and here. Okay. Okay, here we have it. <clears throat> I am not able to repay my debt For your spotless service, even within a lifetime of Brahma, your connection with me is beyond reproach. You have worshipped me, cutting off all domestic ties, which are difficult to break. Therefore, please let your own glorious deeds be your compensation. (coughs) Excuse me. Commentary. Va means to you, I cannot return your favor, svasadu kṛtyam, or cannot return the favor to you, or I am not able to suitably compensate your own extraordinary deed, svāsādhu kṛtyam. He shows the cause, your association, samyujam, is faultless, niravadya because it is not dependent on anything, is devoid of deceit, and is an expression of pure prema. It is free of the desire for liberation and free of the faults of base desires. The desire for me is a great quality since association with me is faultless. Cutting the chains of attachment to house and activities for sons and husbands, difficult to cut, since they are the unbreakable bonds of samsara. You, bhavati, worshipped abajat me. The use of the verb form with bhavati indicates great respect for their prema. Since I do not do this, I cannot repay you. Uh, Let's see. I don't know where he's referring to bhavati in this. Samarishya tadva. Okay. Won't spend time. Or, I was thinking of you alone. Like the man who has lost his treasure. Evam. Whoops, wait. That's not the right place. I got lost. Here we go. Or I cannot repay even your cruel actions toward me. Su asadukrityam. <laughs> uh, he's again playing with the sandhi. What to speak of your favorable actions? He says this with greed for continual pastimes with them in a favorable way. He cannot repay them because they offer their spotless limbs or selves. Sang yujam. Moreover, you cut the invincible chains of serving relatives related to serving the cows. Thus, I do not serve you. Uh, Another version has Shrinkalam with the same meaning. I don't know what that means. The bondage is compared to unbreakable chains. This means that by one's own powers, one cannot overcome them. Though one can break the attachment, one cannot reject the external relationships, even though one wishes to do so. Some means that they cut the attachment and the external relationships completely. I cannot respond properly giving myself completely like you without regard for anything else. I am in debt to you because I fail to keep my own promise. Ye yata mang yaham. Accordingly as they surrender, I respond. Or let some gentle devotee, sadhu-na, he's separating the words instead of sadhu-na, which is uh, the instrumental of sadhu, uh, sadhu sadhu-na, follow and serve you, vaha pratiyatu, as the payment This is a blessing, or let the gentle devotee imitate, pratiyatu, your great activities, svasadhu But I cannot do that. I cannot repay you at all. Later, Krishna speaks of Rukmini's trust in him, pratinandayama. I can do nothing to reciprocate except fully thank you for your devotions. There, also, he says he is a debtor, unable to repay by his joy. But the actions of the gopis are even harder to repay. So, uh, indebtedness of God. How can God be indebted? There's a passage in Chaitanya Charitamrita where Lord Chaitanya finds out that the devotees are speaking of how advaitacharya has some some monetary debt and when he hears about this he becomes extremely angry and he says there's that's not possible <laughs> he is the supreme personality of god and there's no way he can be in debt <laughs> but here we have Lord Krishna himself saying, I am in debt. He's saying, I am in debt to you and I cannot pay you back. So, uh, but this is a point that um, the late Gaur Govinda Swami Maharaj made a lot of emphasis on that this verse is giving the cue for how we understand the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Why does the Lord appear as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in order to pay back this debt? Hare Krishna, I'm going to have to um, again say sundar Sundarji to please wait to bring up your point tomorrow because I have to run immediately... Because I have another meeting coming up. <laughs> so, thank you all so much. Grantaraj, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Ananta Koti Vrinda ki jai, Nitai go repremanande, Hari, Hari, Harikisha.